بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي خلق الإنسان من طين ثم جعل نسله من سلالة من ماء مهين ثم سواه ونفخ فيه في الروح من روحه فتبارك الله أحسن الخالقين أعطى ومنع وضر ونفع وهو بكل شيء عليم نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا مولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد رب يسر ولا تعسر وتمم بالخير وبك نستعين يا فتاح رب اشرح لي صدري وسر لي أمري وحل لقدة من لسان يفقه قولي رب زدني علما والحقني بالصالحين سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم سبحانك لا فهم لنا إلا ما فهمت my dear respected elders, brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Entering the core of the topic, Hajj, what does it in actuality entail? I mean, each mode of worship has to hold an outlook in one's life. And it has to drive forth upon a clear vision. For example, faith, Iman. According to Imam Tabrani, and he narrates from the authority of Abu Dhar It is written in Kabir that the Prophet Muhammad said, Whoever says, La ilaha illallah will enter paradise. Whoever says, La ilaha illallah will enter paradise. Man qala la ilaha illallah dakhla al-jannah. So faith is the key to paradise. Prayer. In Surah number 29, verse number 45, Allah subhanahu states, Inna salata tanha anil fahshai wal munkar. The outlook for prayer, the drive, the vision is that prayer surely keeps one away from indecency and evil. Regarding fast, if we look in Surah number 2, verse number 183, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was prescribed in those nations before you for the sole reason that you may gain piety. Charity. In Surah number 30, verse number 39, Allah subhanahu states that whatever you give in charity, desiring Allah's pleasure, in it that person shall get manifold in return. Understand this. All these benefits that have been described from faith, prayer, fasting, and charity, these benefits which have been described are for you and you alone. What about Hajj? What lies within the performance of Hajj? In Surah number 3, verse number 97, Allah subhanahu says, وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنِ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا 
that pilgrimage to the house of Allah is incumbent upon men for the sake of Allah. Upon everyone who is able to undertake the journey to it. So Iman, Salat, Siyam, Zakat, they're for you. And this final pillar, this last pillar is for Allah. But in actuality, in doing so for Him, you will not be deprived. For through Hajj, you shall find Allah. And finding Allah is a gift for you, to which there is no comparison. Why so? For its mere performance holds great significance. Understand one thing here, my dear friends. We pray five times a day for strength, gratitude, acknowledgement, and guidance. We fast to mirror the poor and the needy, teaching us that how in a little we can find a lot, such as satisfaction, contentment, and gratefulness. We give in His name charity to believe that it is from Him, not from us. That in giving, there is multiplication of our resources, not the depletion of it. And Hajj, the ultimate lesson of the transitory position of this abode, the soon departure from it towards a permanent and everlasting one. In prayer, you need to remain focused and attentive to gain the promises. In prayer, you need to focus and be attentive if you want the promises attached to prayer. In fasting, you need to refrain from desires and evils to accomplish this objective. In charity, you need to look beyond the materialistic sense to the spiritual system to comprehend that when I give, I give back more. And in Hajj, you just do it. And Allah will facilitate it by removing all barriers, all hindrances which can deprive you or remove you from it. It is written, written by Imam Ghazali rahimahullah. He relates the happening of a saintly Sufi who saw shaitan on the day of Arafat. Shaitan appeared very weak, pale in color, tears dripping from his eyes. He was bent forward, unable to stand upright. The Sufi asked him, why are you crying? Shaitan responded, I cry because the pilgrims have gathered here before the door of the Lord without any other purpose. I fear that the Holy Master will not allow them to return from here disappointed. That makes me cry. The Sufi then asked, but why are you gone so thin and weak? For based on your agenda and what you say you do, you must have the strength and the energy. Forget five hour energy, you have 25 hour energy because you're constantly moving around the earth trying to mislead humanity. Why are you so thin and weak? He says, 
It is from the sounds of the horses' hooves, which are heard all the time as the pilgrims proceed for Hajj and they proceed for Umrah. Oh, how I wish that these people should roam around in any way committing indecencies and evils. Then I would really rejoice. The magnitude of the population moving we can put this in perspective from the buses and the honking of the buses and the movement of the tires of the buses. Shaitan has become weak. He wishes that people would do the similar thing but towards evil. The Sufi then inquired from him, why are you so pale in your color? Shaitan replied, I see people advising one another to do good. I see them helping one another on good. Oh, how I would rejoice should they assist each other in the doing of evil as they are helping one another now. Finally, the Sufi asked, Why is your back bent forward like this? Shaitan replied, All the time one hears them crying, Oh Lord, make my ending a righteous one. Oh Allah, make my ending a righteous one. Now when one is all the time concerned about their righteous ending, then when shall his good deeds be destroyed? You cannot destroy it for asking Allah for a righteous end. Allah will preserve and protect your deeds so that you have a righteous end. I.e. in short, my job, my task, my mission fail. My dear friends, he stands correct, although he is the greatest evil on this earth, in this universe, the devil. He is telling the truth. For Nabiuna Muhammad said, the best manner for a person in which to die is when he dies after having completed his hajj or after fasting the month of Ramadan. Hadith is recorded in Kans. Subhanallah, may Allah subhanahu ta'ala have mercy on our brother Rafiq. He was so dear and near to every one of Allah's creation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with a return in the middle between Ramadan and Hajj. He passed away right in between the both, subhanAllah. We've lost a figure in this community, in this state, in this nation, rather in the whole ummah of Rasulullah that can never be replaced. Allah blessed him with the opportunity to perform four Hajj and four Umrah. And according to what Sa'dun Khawlani rahimullah says, whoever performs one Hajj, he has fulfilled the obligation to Allah. Whoever performs two Hajj, he has given Allah a debt. And Allah will surely pay it back. And whoever performs three pilgrimage, for him Allah has prohibited the fire from burning his skin and his hair. What can be said for beyond that? It is inconceivable. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him a lofty abode by his throne where the sweetest breezes and the pleasant aromas bring forth comfort to him whilst the scenery of the throne of Allah is gratifying to him as a reward for all the deeds he sent forth and the goodness that he left behind. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. So my dear brothers and sisters, these promises of mercy, blessing, forgiveness, 
and all the additional that are in store for a believer should inspire one to hasten towards Hajj swiftly and quickly performing it immediately without delay. Do you all agree? Seven weeks now, what is wrong in the Hajj that one delays, one hesitates? I do not understand. For our Habib Muhammad did just that. He was the first in everything he did. He was the first to accept the call. He was the first to accept the call, the message for himself before anyone else. This is an interesting point. We need to reflect on this. When it's asked who was the first of believers, we say Khadija radiallahu anha. She was the first to embrace Islam. He was the first to embrace the message Allah gave to him to transfer to others. He was not a car salesman saying a Chevrolet is a great car while he's driving a Mazda. Because if he believed in it, he would be driving one also. Muhammad accepted the message and then he propagated the message. For he believed in it before instructing others to do it. He was the first to pray. He got it, he did it, and then he taught it. He was the first to wear the armor on the day of Uhud. He was the first to tie two stones on his stomach while digging the trench. The examples can go on and on. The Prophet ﷺ never delayed any command. Rather, he was a front-runner. Yet the Hajj, he wasn't the first to do so. He wasn't the first to do so when it became a practice in Islam. A command in our deen. A pillar of the faith. Question is, why? For Hajj was made compulsory on the ninth year of Hijri, the ninth year of migration. And this is evident from the verse in Surah Al Imran, which is in Surah number 3, verse number 97, that this was revealed in the year of delegations. Amul Wufud, when all the delegations were coming to Muhammad Sallallahu this was between the 8th and the 10th. So during the 9th, this verse was revealed. Hence, it was revealed before the Hajj. Many reasons are, of this are given by the learned scholars. For example, one is that the large number of delegations that came that year kept him busy with them and he wasn't able to go out for the Hajj. Some have written that the Mushrikeen would perform Hajj. And indeed it happened that same year they also performed the Hajj. And the Prophet wanted to delay it so the Hajj would be for the Muslims alone. Because we know that when the mushrikeen, the polytheists, circumambulated the Kaaba, they did so naked. And Muhammad Sallallahu wanted to go when it would be pure and only for the believers. And that was also accepted for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah number 9, verse number 28, that same year. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, innamal mushrikuna najas, fala yaqrubul masjid al-harama ba'da amihim hadha. After this year pilgrimage, no disbeliever can enter the sacred house. Now from this point onwards, it is closed. The polytheists, the idol worshippers, their practices, the Kaaba in its vicinity is free from it. And there are many other reasons also. I believe in addition 
to these and many other valid reasons. I believe he postponed it because he wanted to do it for himself at the end of his life, knowing it was soon thereafter. For the verse of the Quran was revealed, The indication that you are about to go was given. So he postponed it for that reason. For he passed away a few months after performing and completing the Hajj. And he did so also to leave the Ummah in a state of spiritual purity and perfection. With stability, safety, security and forgiveness. So that they can build from where he left them on a pedestal with complete grasp and understanding of the deen and its prioritization in their life. And why not, my dear brothers and sisters? For Hajj is the rehearsal of death. Hajj is the rehearsal of death. Yesterday, a brother called me. He goes, I'm speaking to my children every night. He's leaving for Hajj, inshallah, on Sunday. He goes, I cry. I don't know what's come over me. The emotions are such you cannot describe. And I explained to him, for you are rehearsing your death. For when you leave from your home, and you leave behind your business, you leave behind your property, you leave behind your family, you leave behind all your assets, you are now taking the journey of death. From the second you leave your house to the second you reach Mina, it could be a few days, it could be a few weeks. This is the journey of how the soul takes once it leaves its departed body until it gets back to the grave. When you enter into Mina in your camp on the first day of the Hajj, on the 8th of Zilhijjah, you are now officially in your grave. This one day you spend alone in a tent contemplating. And then the next day you proceed to Arafah, the ninth of the Hijjah. This is the Maidan of Qiyamah. These are the plains of the reckoning day where all of humanity will be standing. And then after standing the whole day waiting, as humanity will be waiting for everyone to be judged by Allah, one by one, one by one, that night, what kind of exhaustion would be? Who knows what number will be ours? Our number may be a number that Mathematicians haven't even discovered yet. With all the humanity waiting from the time of Adam to this time. But when that name will be called and you will be in utter exhaustion, that will be the time for you to be attentive and focused for your study in front of Allah. That is the, ninth, the night of the ninth of the Hijjah when you go to rest in Muzdalfa. Do not rest. Stand up and pray. And the three days proceeding after it, the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th of the Hijjah, these are the three days symbolizing the bridge of Sirat going up, across, and down, as Allah subhanahu says, وَإِمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Each and every human being has to cross over hellfire. And in doing so, whilst you pelt the shaitan, you're making a commitment and a promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you will detach yourselves and your lifestyle from those actions which may drag you down into hell over that bridge or that may slow you down whilst transferring yourself over that bridge this is the significance of the pelting of the shaitan so my dear brothers and sisters Hajj is a rehearsal of death let us look back how our Prophet Muhammad performed it it is said that it's been 10 years now after he had come from Mecca to Medina he is now intending to set off for what will be recorded in history as the farewell Hajj the first, 
the final, but more important, the farewell hajj. The Prophet ﷺ himself told his followers, learn how to perform hajj as after this year I may not perform it. This news spread around and people from Medina and near nearby towns and cities began to assemble. On the afternoon of Thursday 24th of Dhul Qa'dah, the 10th year of migration, the Prophet ﷺ mounted his she-camel out from Mecca. A multitude of people over a hundred thousand in number accompanied him. Jabir who's a companion, he says, I could see people as far as my eyes could see. On the way to Mecca, caravans continued to join on with Muhammad When the Prophet reached Dhul Halifa, the outskirts of Medina, he spent that night there. In the morning, he took a shower, put on his ihram, the pilgrim dress, and he removed his head covering and he said, Labbaik Allahumma labbaik, labbaik la sharika laka labbaik, inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk la sharika lak. And he said from there they set off on a nine day journey. On the fourth of Dil Hijjah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa reached the sacred mosque. When he reached there, he looked at the Kaaba and he made dua, O oh Allah, increase the greatness and sublimity of your house. He then further made dua, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam fahayyina rabbana bis-salam. O Allah, you are peace. With you is peace. O our Lord, keep us alive with peace. He performed the tawaf, saying, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab nar Goodness in this world, goodness in the akhirah, and protection from the hellfire was his dua. When he finished, he prayed to Raka'a by the Maqam Ibrahim, and then after finishing, he kissed the black stone, and he proceeded towards the Safa mountain. He went between the mountain of Safa and Marwa many times, the seven times. Some of it he went on with his camel. He did so so the people with him could see what he was doing. On the eighth morning, after he completed the Umrah, he stayed in Mecca. On the eighth morning, he went towards Mina. And after Mina, he moved on towards Arafah. He went into a small tent in the Aruna Valley, Wadi Aruna. Wadi Urayna, different names. And this is around the area where Masjid Nimra is located today in Arafah. He mounted his she camel and he gave a sermon. A sermon which was given on the 9th of the Hijjah, on the 10th year after migration, in the farewell Hajj, known as the farewell sermon. In this, he said, after praising Allah and thanking Him, O people, lend me an attentive ear. For I know not whether after this year I will ever be amongst you again. Therefore listen to what I am to say to you very carefully and take these words to those who could not be present today. O people, just as you regard this month, this day, this city as sacred, so regard the life and property of every Muslim as a sacred trust. Return the goods entrusted to you to the rightful owners. Hurt no one so that no one may hurt you. Remember that you will be indeed meet your Lord and that He will indeed reckon your deeds. Allah has forbidden you to take interest. Therefore, all interest obligations shall henceforth be waived. Your capital, however, is yours to keep. You will neither inflict 
nor suffer iniquity. Allah has judged that there shall be no interest and that all interest that was due to Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib shall henceforth be waived. Every right arising out of homicide in pre-Islamic days is henceforth waived. And the first such right I waive is the arising from the murder of Rabia ibn Haritha. He was a relative of Muhammad sallallahu O mankind, the unbelievers indulge in tampering with the calendar in order to make permissible that which Allah forbade and to forbid that which Allah has made permissible with Allah. The months are 12, four of them are holy, three of these holy months are successive in the occurrence sites of the months is Jumadi al-Ukhra, Rajab, Jumadiyah and the Sha'ban. It is between the Jumadiyah and the Sha'ban which is Rajab. O people, beware of shaitan for the safety of your religion. Beware of shaitan for the safety of your religion. If there is a child molester in an area located close to our house, we get alerts. Watch out. If there is a criminal who got released from jail, he lives in the vicinity of our house, we say watch out. Here Rasulullah is reminding you, informing you, warning you of someone much greater and such dangerous that he will take over your religion. And if he takes over your religion, he will take you over. Also, O oh people, beware of shaitan for the safety of your religion. He has lost all hope that he will ever be able to lead you astray in big things. So beware of following him in small things. O oh people, it is true that you have certain rights with regard to your women, but they also have rights on you. If they abide by you, your right, then to them belongs the right to be fed and clothed in kindness. Treat your women well and be kind to them, for they are your partners and committed helpers. And it is your right that they do not make friends with anyone of whom you do not approve, as well as never commit adultery. O people, listen to me in earnest. Worship Allah. Say your five daily prayers. Fast during the month of Ramadan. And give the share of zakah in your wealth. Perform hajj if you can afford to. All mankind is from Adam and Eve. An Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. Also, a white has no superiority over a black, nor does a black have any superiority over a white, except by piety and good action. Learn that every Muslim is the brother of another Muslim, and that Muslims constitute one brotherhood. Muslims constitute one brotherhood. There is no segregation. There is no division in Islam. There is no Sunni. There is no Shia. There is no Qadiani. There is no Maliki. There is no Shafi. There is no Hanafi. There is no Salafi. There is no Wahhabi. There is no Ismaili. There is no Aga Khani. There is one Islam. There is one Ummah. There is one Quran. There is one Allah. And there is one Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Muhammad Sassam further says, Nothing shall be legitimate to a Muslim that belongs to a fellow Muslim unless it was given freely and willingly. Do not therefore do injustice to yourselves. When you take away something from someone, you did not do injustice to him. No, you have not. For Allah will compensate him with more than you could imagine on the Day of Judgment. But you've just did injustice to yourself because you have deprived yourself from Jannah. Remember, one day you will appear before Allah and answer for your deeds. So beware, do not stray from the path of righteousness after I'm gone. Such a simple advice Muhammad Sallallahu is giving. I've given you what I've given you. Just hold on to it. Continue forth with it. Do not let go of it.
O people, no prophet or messenger will come after me, and no new faith will be born. Reason well, therefore, O people, and understand my words that I convey to you. I leave behind me two things, the Qur'an and my example, the Sunnah. If you follow these, you will never go astray. All those who listen to me shall pass on my words to others and those to others again. And may the last ones understand my words better than those who listen to me directly. Be my witness, O Allah. Be my witness, O Allah, that I have conveyed your message to the people. This was the sermon of Muhammad In his message to humanity, the Prophet Muhammad emphasized the highest morals and values. The sequence from the rights of humanity to the duty to Allah. Shaykh was saying in a speech I was listening to the other day, he said on the day of judgment, Allah will not ask, oh how many prayers did you perform? How many Qur'ans did you complete? How many Hajj did you perform? How many dhikr did you remember me with? How many Umrahs did you perform? How many charities did you give in my name? Allah will ask, how did you treat your spouse? How did you treat your spouse? Huh? All these things are already recorded. But your treatment to humanity is a much greater jihad than is duty to Allah. For we are selfish in our nature. When we need something, we turn to Allah. And Allah knows that. But our duty to one another, we don't own no one and no one owns us. In the summary of his teachings, this can be analyzed in three main headings. Reminder of the basic elements of faith that we believe in one Allah. Number two is rules of law and morality. And number three, the rules of justice. Whilst the Prophet Muhammad was praying here, the last verse of the Holy Quran was revealed. That today your deen is complete. After delivering the sermon, Bilal called Adhan and they prayed Dhuhr and Asr in the same place. And Muhammad mounted his she camel and remained there until Maghrib prayer. After the Prophet whilst he was praying with the divine feelings, he saw the people around him were praying. Some were standing, some were mounted on the animals, weeping and crying to Allah for his favors, vowing for repentance and craving his blessings. It was such a great moment that Muhammad said, Al-Hajj Arafah. The Hajj, the true example of the Ummah is Arafah. What we see happening here at this moment, this is the true Islam. Then the Prophet prayed, O oh Allah, you are listening to me. You are watching my place. You are aware of my hidden and open affairs. I am miserable and needy. I am pleading to you, asking your protection. It is said after the sunset, Muhammad went to Muzdalfa. He asked Usama bin Zayd to ride in the camel with him. And they were saying, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik. This was, the, this was echoing in the environs between the mountains. Labbaik, the chant of Labbaik was going on. Muhammad asked the people not to run. Move slowly, calmly, for running was not a work of piety. When he reached the Muzdalfa, Bilal called the Adhan, and Maghrib and Isha prayer was prayed together. And then after the morning prayer, Muhammad Sallallahu continued towards Mash'ar al-Haram to where the, the area is the person has to stay in Muzdalfa before t- uh, picking up the stones and moving back to Mina on that area where Abraha and his army of elephants was destroyed. Muhammad Sallallahu informed the people to hasten from this area for this is the area where the punishment of Allah has fallen. 
When they reached the Jamarat, the three pillars in Mina, they casted the seven pillars, each time saying, Allah is great, Allah is great, Allah is great. After performing this, Muhammad got out of his ihram after sacrificing the animal, shaving his head, and performing the tawaf. After performing the tawaf, the Sahaba came to Rasulullah and said, We made this mistake, we did this. Muhammad Mustafa said, If al wala haraj, keep on moving along. This is the beginning. Just continue moving. Look at the bigger picture. You have been instructed. You may have not understood the instruction. You made the slight mistake. Keep on moving along. Today the ummah is dividing on the small things. How do you stand in prayer? How do you tie your hands? You're a kafir. You're a disbeliever. You're going against Rasulullah Muhammad here is uniting the ummah. He's saying keep on going on. Look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is one ummah, one nation. It is said that Muhammad Mustafa stayed in Mecca during Hajj for 10 days. Afterwards, he left for Medina. When he got to Dhul Halifa, where he began from, he entered the city around sunrise. Very nicely, calmly and slowly, with a radiant sun rising. When he saw the city dwellings from a distance, he said, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la, lahul mulku wa lahul hamd, yuhyi wa yumid, biadil khair wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. He said, We are returning, Aibuna ta'ibuna hamiduna li rabbina shakirun. That we are returning, repenting, praying, prostrating ourselves and praising to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has kept his promise. Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu passed away two months after the Hajj. So this is it. This is the true Hajj. This is the manner in which this final and significant and important pillar is conducted. If we go to the Hajj and we fight, the Ummah around the world will fight. If we go to the Hajj and we curse, we will curse in our own houses. If we go to Hajj and we divide based on race, color, culture, creed, then this Ummah in our own communities will do the same. So Hajj, in conclusion here, my dear brothers and sisters, it's all about love and respect. Accepting, embracing all of the Ummah, which is the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our eyes to understand the significance of this deed and this practice, which is about to begin in a few days. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take everyone who's going for Hajj safely. May He allow them to perform the manasik correctly, understanding the bigger picture, and may He return them back to their families and to their communities as true representatives of Islam. Wa akhiru da'wan. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.